This episode of Life in Stride is brought to you by Mason Construction in Crestwood, Kentucky, building in all the premier neighborhoods in the Louisville area. Mason Construction has a deep list of talented tradesmen who build quickly but don't sacrifice quality. Mason has been building for over 30 years custom homes and has an incredible track record of service and reliability. Mason Construction can build you your dream home. What do you want in your dream home? Let's picture your kitchen. How about a giant island that you can sit all your kids and family around during major holidays? A white quartz top and white barber cabinets handcrafted, a farmhouse sink, and stainless steel GE appliances. And how about an oak floor? Beautiful. The list goes on, and you can have it all in your dream home, built by Mason Construction. Call Adair today at the front desk at 502-241-6588 to get a tour of your forever home by Mason Construction today. I said, there is nothing special about me, right? I'm not saying that to, you know, to, to, to beat myself up, but I'm saying you just make a choice. Just take the step, take the action, right? Consistency, community, commitment, exactly what Danny outlined. I love those three C's. I guess we're going to just keep repeating them every episode, but like I didn't used to be that person. So if you're listening to this, you're still listening and you have trouble finishing, you have trouble hitting your weight goal or whatever, like you can make a choice. Just make the choice again and again and again. Just focus on the next best action and you'll get there. Yo, welcome back. This is episode 10 of the Life in Stride podcast. We have Chris Striegel, a.k.a. Striegran. We got Danny P., Danny Perkins. We have the man of the hour, Cheston, Cheston Newhall, and we have myself, Scotty Scares, Scotty Screams is what they call me. Um, and we're going to go through Cheston's story today. We went uh, through Danny's last week, and we are going to roll right into Cheston's this week. He is a little brief uh, personal overview of Cheston. He is a dad of three, about to be four in about two months, a little less. Uh, March 31st is when that baby is due, baby Vera. And uh, he lives in Anchorage, Kentucky. Um, and he is a great friend of mine and friend of all of us. Um, he is a legend. And his story is one you do not want to miss. Um, lots of lots of ups and downs and started um, in, a, in an awesome way. And, and now his his journey has led him to great success and and it's only getting better from there so i'm excited to dive into this and uh justin let's let's roll right to you man let's um what what do you uh, give give us a little personal personal backstory of um maybe from the early days with, with you sure uh first of all thanks for having me guys big fan of the pod um sure yeah uh, yeah. So a little bit of background about me. I know we're Louisville based. Many of us or have roots. I grew up in New Jersey. Parents got divorced when I was eight, moved to Utah, Park City, Utah. Uh, that was an awesome way to grow up. And what's unique about Park City, Utah, because in some ways it does tie into my running story is that there are a lot of freak athletes there. Pretty much everyone in the town would ski, snowboard, and then they would also do one or two sports. And so you were just in a community that was 
full of a lot of type A families with type A kids, whether the kids want to be or not. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I grew up around. It was a lot of high achievers, uh, which has felt really fortunate, but it was an interesting dynamic. And then met my wife in college. We dated long distance for a year. And that's how I moved to, to Louisville and been in Louisville about 10 years now. So right. that's a yeah. little, little background how I got here. Yeah, you uh, you went to University of Utah. I don't know if you said that or not. And you Go played Utes. football. Um, tell us Is about it, your football journey. Wait, yeah, you were the starting quarterback for Utah, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely not. Yeah, so sports for me. I'll start with sports for me growing up. I was uh, one of my early moments of running was on the playground. And I w- was just – we were playing games as kids at Montessori school. I loved it. And then I remember sometime in elementary school, I played baseball, got hit by a ball. And for whatever reason then as a kid, I was really scared. Got hit in the face, uh, was all bloodied. So I was scared of sports as a kid. That for whatever reason continued. I was teased as a kid because I was a heavier kid. And so my relationship with sports um, was was a unique one. I just didn't feel like my – my area, uh, my expertise. And so I, I really steered away from it and distracted myself with other things um, as a kid. And in fact, there's one moment st- sticks out, which is probably why I had a negative relationship with sports for a while, where I actually a substitute teacher when I was in fourth or fifth grade, I forget. I was doing something, I was being silly, and they just yelled, sit down, fatso. And yeah, that, that response is right. And I'd already at that point in my life been made fun of, you know, in certain ways for my, for my size as a kid. And, uh, you know, for example, when I played football, I was offensive line cause I was a bigger kid. And so, yeah, I was really ashamed. Obviously it's a core moment. I still remember it like 20 years later. How old were yeah. you at the time? Gosh, fourth or fifth grade. So was that eight, nine? Um, I, I, I was pretty new to Utah at that point too. Did, did you say your substitute teacher told you that? Yeah. Yeah, they told me An that. adult told you that. Wow. That's yeah, horrible. it's just it's it's so sad. I bring that up because if you talk about races, I'd I'd hold on to that moment for motivation for a while. Hmm. Um but for a long time I had body image issues growing up. I didn't view myself as an athlete whatsoever. Even as a pretty decent offensive lineman. Um, but my relationship with running was really more as a punishment than it was fun and something I chose to do. I remember trying out for the lacrosse, lacrosse team and very quickly was like, this is way too much running. I'm not going to do it. I, uh, another core memory for me, this is sixth or seventh grade. We did a mile time trial, I think, or mile and a half time trial with our class. And I was the second to last person in that class. I ran, I don't know what pace it was, but there were people who who were, were way less fit than me, at least I thought, just passing me. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. My throat was on fire. I was hacking up. I was so embarrassed. And it just kind of reinforced this talk track in my head of, you're not fit enough. You're not an athlete. Uh, so, yeah. So that that was pretty much running growing up. And I got pretty good into football. I really threw myself into music. It was one of my pastimes. There was another junior RTC program called Civil Air Patrol that I threw myself into. And, and that's where I really love what Danny said in his – I think it was your recap, Danny, or it was another episode where you said you really believe people need something to be good at. I think that that conviction you get, that belief in yourself from being good at something, could, it doesn't matter what it is, can really give you momentum. And for me, in high school, we won 
the national championship for this military drill competition. Think Cadet Kelly for those uh, millennials listening, uh, but but a little cooler. At least I like to think so. We won uh, we won nationals two years in a row, and that began this belief in me that was was hard to stop. And so, but even then, you know, we do some fitness competitions, but running was still just a, a punishment to me. So, what was it like? Um, your parents got divorced. You moved to Park City. You um, were the new kid in town. I imagine you had a single parent home for a while. What's what's that like? Single single mom and what- yeah, yeah. So I mean, I have a great relationship with my dad, but my dad moved to to Germany shortly after they got divorced uh, for his new relationship. My mom moved to Utah, and yeah, I'd see my dad during the summers for like four weeks at a time, I think, and then. I would see him every other holiday, Thanksgiving and Christmas, we'd rotate. So that's tough. You know, I, yeah. I felt whether it was implicit or explicit, like the man of the house at the age of eight uh, with my two younger sisters, my mom and my, my mom is a workhorse. She is, she's, you guys, I think all of you have met her by now, but she's a crazy lady. I love her. She's very eccentric. And, and mom, I hope you, you hear this uh, when I say it. And and she had a mindset of I said on one podcast too, life's a buffet and most people are starving. That was her mindset. Even you know she hasn't been remarried. Uh, she she worked really hard to raise us and and towed us around town. And she just always had that optimism, that that stick to itiveness uh, that was really admirable. And so, how many was, siblings do you have? I have two younger sisters. Two younger sisters, so three kids. Yeah. Wow. So did they all live with your mom then? And yeah, moved. so there's the three cool. of us with my mom, and again, we are there are three of us at three and a half years apart. So, and what brought you all to Park City? Like, what brought her to Park City? Is she from there originally? Yeah, so she's from she's from Salt Lake City originally, and she wanted to make sure we had a good good education. So she brought us up to Park City, and it was a great. It's a public school system, but it's a very nice public school system, as you can imagine, being in a resort town. So it, it's really more of like a semi private. Oh, cool. Um, so, how, so I guess you went to college, um, to, to Utah and you, I know you, you sent us a photo before this, that you are on ESPN, you're in, in the band. Um, so, how, and I know you were in a fraternity in college, did all of that. How did you, um, end up getting into running and running marathons after that kind of background? Yeah. So I was very involved as a kid. Uh, in general, it was living, you know, the all American college dream is the way I describe it. And it was a lot of fun, but was honestly living too fast and had a low point where in 2012, I guess it would have been or 2011, I might get the years mixed up. uh, But I had a low moment in my life and went on a big journey of figuring out who I really was in general, spiritually, um, with my fitness, everything that just, there, there wasn't alignment between who I wanted to be and who I was, was who I was. And so as I was coming out of that low moment, that's when I became a Christian. Uh, but also in parallel, I was living with several Ironman athletes at the time as well. I brought this up, I think in the race prep for Houston, there, I was in a house full of, there were five of us and, Three of them were Ironman athletes. The other was starting to get into tries, and they were great in in Utah. I mean, they were like top ten for their age group in in Utah uh, at, at the time. So they were they were freakish athletes. And I saw that Ironman commercial I, I mentioned, and it just compelled me to say, "Man, I I really want to get a shot at endurance sports." And so I started running, 
and one of my roommates, James Boyer, who was actually uh, one of the groomsmen at my wedding, uh, he helped coach me along at first. And I began running in 2012. I don't have the data going back this far, but began running in 2012, 2013. And that, I ran my first uh, mar- half marathon in 2013. Yeah, so did you get, get some inspiration from those guys? Clearly, like, was it, um, how, how was that? What was that like? Like you're the yeah. non-try guy living with yeah, a bunch so- of jocks. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was, it was cool. Like I, I was, I knew band was ending and I loved being at the marching band at the university of Utah and my fraternity days were, were behind me. And I remember from, from high school, that civil air patrol experience. And even our, our jazz band was really great around the state. I just loved being a part of a team. I loved, you know, having a craft to refine and it, I was addicted to it. And so I ended up, uh, ended up saying, you know, seeing kind of that inspiration from them and got into it, but it took me, I'd say five or six months of running for me to really like it. And I think I remember getting up to a 40 or 50 mile week. I did this 20 miler around a track mostly because we didn't have GPS. So I did about 16 of the 20 miles around this track and I was exhausted, but I was so proud. I was like, this is incredible. Um, I love this. And, and I, I really wasn't doing much, uh, many formatted workouts, but at that moment, it's like, this is, this is really cool. I, I get why people enjoy this. So that was, that was the first kind of kindling, so to speak of, of loving running. What was the, the time stamp on that? Sorry if I missed it. I had some technical difficulties, but it, what was it's it? all good. It was like, that was like 2012. So this is still college. And then 2013, I, I, uh, I really focused mostly on mileage. I would kind of do some fast stuff every now and then, but it was mostly mileage because I didn't have a, a fancy watch or anything at the time. And then I, I signed up for my first trail half marathon and that was in May, 2013. Cheston, why the track? What was it about the track that made you comfortable running a 20 miler? Most people look at that from the, and I'm thinking it too, that's psycho behavior. Twenty psycho behavior. That many miles on a track <laughs> is a lot of miles on a track. Well, so I just had a, I'm pretty sure at the time I had a flip phone. I might've had an iPhone, but I didn't have data. I was a poor college student. So I, I couldn't, I didn't know for sure how to map out how far I was going. And then also I'd never ran 20 miles before. So I thought to myself, gosh, if I need to do something, I just want to be able to go home quickly. And I think the track was like a mile or two from my house. And, but I wanted to know the distance. Cause at that point in my running, I'd, I would dangle a carrot in front of me. Okay. Next long run. It'll be the longest long run ever. So from 13 to 14 to 15 to 16, I just gained that momentum and weekly mileage too. I did the same thing. This week is 30 miles, 32. Again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I remember dangling that carrot in front of me, hitting new mileage PRs. And, and so, yeah, that, that's why I did it. It was just easy to bail out if I got hurt because I'd never been there before. Um, but also I could track the distance knowing, okay, definitively I'm at 20 miles this, this go around. And were you running alone most of the time? Yeah. Gonna ask so that. what, I mean, any non runner, they love to ask, what do you do when you run? Do you listen to music? What were you doing in the early days of Cheston reaching weekly mileage running? Were you thinking yeah. about life, who you want to be? Were you listening to music and were you making decisions? What was yeah. going through your head? That's a good question. I I don't know that I was listening to much music because, again, I'd have to rely on data. I guess I probably had some offline songs I'd listen to. But running for me and still today, one of my favorite things in Scotty, you know, one difference between Scotty and me, Scotty can run with someone every single day and loves it, absolutely loves it. For me, one of my favorite parts about running is that moment where you're running and it just stops 
the noise in your head stops. You just a moment of clarity, the endorphins hit, whatever it is. And and for me, my mind's always churning. I always, you know, and I've gotten better with it, but I feel this compulsion to keep doing and running for me helps pace that a bit. Uh, bad pun, but it helps pace that. So when I can, you know, run for six, eight miles, there's, there's a few moments where like, I find myself all of a sudden, I'm just thinking of nothing. I'm just moving. And for me, that's some of the few, especially as a dad to soon to be four, it's one of the few peaceful moments in my life. Do you feel like the, like the 2012, 2013, when you signed up for your first race and stuff, do you feel like that that was a, a turning point in your life mentally? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you necessarily were mentally, but I know some stuff you said about your childhood and um, divorce and bullying and stuff like that. How, how did that affect you? You know, I think at the time I would have said it was, and I, th- I think it was, but I think me getting over that, you know, feeling essentially like the perpetual fat kid, that really didn't happen until Indy 2021 when I qualified for Boston, um, which is crazy. But again, in the moment, 2013, I'd have said, oh yeah, like that, I'm a new man, I'm different. And I was, I mean, I made a lot of 180 changes in my life, but but again, there it's like math. You know how math builds on itself. You learn addition, then multiplication, then calculus. It's kind of like that. I got I peeled back a couple layers of the onion, but I still had a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long time to carry that with you. <laughs> yeah, right. And for it's... anyone who's I mean, we all have these tapes in our head, right? Like that we play, you know, again, some of it we know where it comes from, some of it we don't. So I don't want it to, to paint out to like every day for that time. I was thinking about it. But it, in hindsight, yeah, there's some there's some insecurities that are playing out or behaviors that are playing out um, and some negative thoughts about myself that are playing out because I didn't I didn't fully address that that part of my life. So when when did you um so you, you said you signed up for a trail half or in that when did you start thinking about signing up for your first marathon? So, yeah, so my first half was supposed to be a road half, first this of all. This is so good. So I signed, like, I mean, I kind of already gave everyone the punchline, but I might as well tell a story. So I'm running like 40, 50 miles a week. I'm feeling good. And it's Sunday before race day, and race day was on a Saturday. And I find out, I get an email from the race, and I call my buddy James. I said, James, what? I think I signed up for the wrong race. And he calls me, I forwarded the email. <laughs> He calls me back and he's like, you're a freaking idiot. You signed up for a trail half marathon. Not only that, it's one with nearly 3,000 feet of climb. I was looking up the race description today. So Timpanogos is one of the tallest mountains in Utah. For for a marathon, just for comparison, I didn't see anything for half marathon in my quick search. But for a marathon, they said, if you run a 330 marathon, plan to take five to six hours to do this this marathon. (laughs) Oh, my God. And and, and it was at altitude, right? It was at altitude, right? This is six thousand feet elevation at base, or six thousand feet at it's the five, top. Sorry, it's five thousand at base. It's probably sixty five hundred at okay. top. You're going up and down. I got you. It rained the night before. It was raining as I was I was jumping boulders on the way down. It was it was hilarious. I ran it in two twenty two, which I don't know what the adjustment was, but it was a pretty good time. Pretty good. Uh, and then I ran a road. Uh, road half marathon a, a month later because i was so embarrassed that i didn't actually run a road one uh and ran a 140 and at that time i well because we'll circle back to this moment i wrote down because my my roommate james said that's pretty good man for your first time you're not doing speed work you know 140 you're not 
again, you don't have any pedigree. You're not your former lineman, offensive lineman. And uh, he said, you should think about Boston. So in that moment, I wrote down qualify for Boston 2013. Sick. And so going back to marathon in 2017, I remember I, I had this history. Part of this was impact of bullying. Part of this was other things of starting things and not finishing them. And I came across in 2017, the list from 2013 of my goal list of run a marathon, qualify for Boston. I was like, there's no way I'm qualifying for Boston, but I'm going to at least run a marathon. My, my brother-in-law at the time, I think it also mentioned it. Um, or I forget, I forget how he, either I brought it up or he brought it up. doesn't matter. So I said, all right, let's do it. Did a Hal Higdon plan, just sort of a just finished mindset, ran it in a, at the Kentucky Ale Capital Horse Marathon in Lexington, Kentucky, a nice gentle roller course. I think it was like a 70, 80 degree day. They were telling people to get off the course. I ran it in, in 447.29 and I was definitely walking most of the last 10K. <laughs> and that, that was your beat, Justin. That, I got the 441. You got the 447. Congrats. That's yeah. awesome. That was, yeah, I'm, I'm that was your first full. That was my first full. And again, for most of that, I trained alone. Um, I, I don't have the data going back that far at this point, but I bet I was doing like 20, 30 miles a week. And it was like a long run and two runs during the week, something, something to that effect. What was your mindset when you crossed the finish line? Oh, I was bawling. I was just, why? Because in that moment too, right. We talk about layers. This is another layer of the onion. Mm -hmm. I thought the last 10 K that teacher pointing at me and say, sit down fatso, sit down fatso. And as I was walking, (laughs) as I was walking, I was, I was thinking, no, I'm standing up, I'm standing up. And, um, uh, but again, you know, I'd still struggle with that moment for a while, but I, I was having that conversation with myself that last 10 K for sure. When, when I mean, we might be able to get into this later, but when were you able to give that up, that teacher that with that, um, that grudge against that teacher, bringing that up and running, running for that running angry. What, when were you able to give that up? Yeah, it was, it was the night before or the morning of Indy. Um, so when I qualified for Boston in 2021 and I'll kind of, I guess I'll kind of get us from 2017 to there, um, real quick. So I sat down running and really probably reason I sat down running is my wife's a personal trainer and and to spend time with her, we'd lift and do, um, hit workouts or other gym workouts. We did volleyball for a bit with volleyball. I started getting really excited about the competition and I just realized like, man, I, I really miss running the the ability to compete with yourself and have a clear bar you're beating was so fun. I missed it. And so, so I ended up, uh, I ended up in 2018, picking it up again. One of my buddies, Danny Clark, right before Jocelyn was born, she's our oldest and about five and a half said, Hey, I'm running Lake Cumberland half, run it with me. So we trained, I think we do most of our long runs together, but again, mostly running solo doing 20 ish miles a week ran that it was a it was a hilly half marathon i think about a thousand feet to climb ran a two-hour half Sheesh. marathon and and then a month later month or two later ended up running louisville half here in, in louisville kentucky also kind of hilly but but it was a cool day ran it in 150 and i thought to myself wow this was that 150 surprised myself so i thought okay let's let's keep doing this and so i kept running at that point i met a buddy kyle brinks um, who, who became my new training partner. And we started really getting after it with the KDF half. And we ran like a 138 in 2019. So about six months later, I dropped from 150 to 138. And that's where like throughout my, throughout my running journey, having a running buddy and, or, 
or a coach of some sort, like the early days, it was James. Then it was my brother-in-law in in some ways, you know, for 2017. Then it was Danny Clark. And then it was Cal Brinks. That's just been a game changer. um, Someone to be in the foxhole with. And so then later, yeah, sorry, I'm interrupting, but I just want to hit on this for a second. It just is totally different when you have someone to train with and you're running with them day in, day out to reach the same goal. And you learn a lot about a person. Yes. Right. So I'm sure with Danny Clark and Kyle Brinks, you, you became very close with them. Yeah. I mean, I can rattle off all my training partners, right? Danny Clark, Kyle Brinks, um, Scotty Scarce, uh, or I say Brandon Hall, Brandon Hall, um, you guys, um, Andrew Lowe's becoming that. I mean, they're, you're absolutely right, Danny. It's, I always tell people who don't run, it's like a road trip. You know, if you go on a long road trip, four to six hours or longer, you might be talking weather, you know, talk for an hour, but it gets really boring after that. And you really start to, to get in some deep matters. Um, and so on top of that, Kyle and I were part of a discipleship group at church and he was a military guy. So he'd been moved around. So he was craving community. I was still pretty new to Louisville. I hadn't found like a, a good best friend yet. And Kyle became that pretty quickly when, uh, when we started running together. So yeah, plus one, what Danny said, that's just, it's just makes it so much more fun, um, to, to suffer with someone else. Yeah. I, you're around like-minded people. Right. And yeah, go, go, go ahead, yeah. Chris. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, you're talking about like 2019, you know, is it the most recent time we kind of just talked about. And it's crazy that like the, the running glow up you've had since then, right? Like, <laughs> like you just, and we'll obviously get to the Houston race, but like you were like, obviously a bit disappointed with how that race went, but like the result compared to like your 2019 times is absurd. Like you're a completely <laughs> different athlete now. I, I didn't, you know, obviously we've talked about your running and stuff, but I didn't realize um, what like a massive jump you've made in only just a few years. Um, it's, it's just crazy, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. I and mean, that's why, you know, for those who haven't seen that Zach Panning photo yes. uh, going around of his cross countries, chunkier kid. And you know, for those who, who haven't heard the the Olympic trials, you know, he was the leader of the race from five to 22, you know, most of the race. Um, and I think he said, you can do anything or some, some sort of comment line like that. And yeah. I just love that. Cause that I'm, you know, not Zach Panning's level, but that's, you know, when I reflect on where I am and, and where I've been, like, I just love that mindset and his journey and, and hope to offer that to others. Like it just takes, you know, consecutive good decisions and discipline to, to get here. Nothing more than that. It, it just, yeah. Community consistency and commitment, right, Danny? I think that's what you, you said, <laughs> the three C's. I mean, that's, that's absolutely what got me from 2019 to, to here. The fourth C is Cheston. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then there's a turning point. So at 2018, I'm realizing, dang, okay, 138, this is good. Running with Kyle, you know, he's, he and I are aligned in how we, are, we view the world and, and how we pursue our goals. And we were at, at KDF, we saw some people in these sneaker costumes pacing a marathon. I saw, I began to see a bunch of maroon singlets around town with Corfeggi, I, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> Corfage. Yeah. And I think we're on Strava at the time too, and saw these cool names of these studs, Mac McFarlane, Robert Boston, Michael Corfage, you know, a bunch of, bunch of people. 
and, 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 and the conversation for at least a chunk of our long runs in 2019 between Colony were like, man, it'd be pretty cool to be a part of that running club. I wonder what it takes. <laughs> and finally, I forget how it happens. We get the invite. Yeah, how, much, know, how much does it cost? I wonder what their dues are. <laughs> 60 bucks. Free 99. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the, the, the cost of a singlet. <laughs> 60 bucks. <laughs> yeah. So in in 2019, I pick up my running. I want to I wanna run Monumental. That's my first. Uh, I, I, I determine, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run more mileage, you know, start doing pace workouts, et cetera. For, for Monumental. And I started a running club at work. And one of the guys in the running club, Nick Knopf, uh, he, he's a part of CoreFedge and he invites me. And so that's how we get in. And anyway, nice. at that point, the Rockets were put on my back, um, you know, and <laughs> I'll just share one of my early stories with CoreFedge. My third run was in, with CoreFedge was in April of 2020. Yeah, April 2020. And it was, it was my first marathon since my first one. So it'd been three years and, but I was, I was terrified. I was going for a 315 goal. Ted Graves was going the same goal with me. And again, I've only known these guys for two or three runs and I've got Mike Corfidge, Andy Heim, Danny Chester, Mac McFarlane, Ilya Jalali, April Wu, Stephen Bischoff, Dennis Ruckriegel. I know I'm missing someone. So sorry for, for whoever I missed, but they all were there to pace Ted and me at various points throughout that run. And we ran, and this is when COVID started, we ran a, the, the KDF marathon course uh, on the day it would have been on, and they're pacing us to a 315 marathon. And so that was, again, my third or fourth run with CoreFedge was a marathon time trial. So you guys ran the full course? We ran the full course. That's pretty cool. I mean, that... It's a good idea. Did I wonder? Did you have to stop in any like traffic lights or anything uh, on the way, or or were you all good? So this was this, this was early days of COVID. So, so we started on a Saturday of like seven a.m. So nobody later, on the roads. Ain't nobody on the roads. Ilya, I remember Ilya distinctly would run ahead about a half block or a block, and he would make sure it was clear. Nice. But I don't think we ever had to stop. I, I don't truly don't think we ever had to stop. I mean, we ran into Iroquois. I mean, it, it was it was awesome. It was incredible. I ended up fading to a 322, um, but I cried after that moment. There's a video of Mike has of me of, hey, how much did you PR by? I said an hour and 20 minutes, and he just screaming, an hour? It was, it was absolutely <laughs> incredible. This is, I want to highlight this real quick. That's crazy. Um, you said that was your third run with Corfedge. Yeah. Um, and Corfedge aside, <laughs> um, I, this just shows how important it is to have community. You had a bunch of random people yeah. that you did not know. I mean, you barely knew them, three runs. Um, and they all came out to pace you and another guy. Um, and they didn't know you, but they're like, yeah, let's do it. So Corefedge aside, find yourself a running community, whether you're in Louisville or not. Find yourself somebody or start one. Because yeah. Justin said, here was my turning point. I met these people and it's the exact same story when I get to tell my story, but he met these people and then it just took off from there because of the community that was around him. And that yeah. spreads a lot more than just running. That's in all aspects of life truly, but we're specifically talking about running here. So, so, so quick question about the KDF course. It famously goes through Churchill downs and you kind of run close Ooh, to the track. Yeah. 
So what would you do for that part? Did you break in? I, I wish. I, I think someone might have tried to see if it was open. I think we ran we ran past it and down a bit the distance it would have been. And then, okay. you know, I, th- I think the, the ending was a little bit longer than it t- technically would have been. So we, we modified slightly, but we still ran to Churchill. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, this past year I ran KDF and they, um, it was long. And, uh, so I, I'm, I've always been outspoken about not being a fan of it going through Churchill Downs actually during the race. I just don't like how it goes through. So. I was curious about that too. I'm, I'm glad Danny asked, but um, yeah, this year it was actually long, which which was annoying. And I, I wish it still went through the Iroquois course. It's going to now this coming year, but uh, this past year it went to Indiana instead, which I uh, was not a fan of. It's very quiet and lonely over there. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I'm so thankful we're going back to the old course. Um, so you went 322. COVID 322. Year. What's yeah. after that? Yeah, so and at that point I was still running like 40, 50 miles a week. Craig Burnett in our group, he turned me on to Hanson's marathon methods. And so that's what I used for that marathon. And so I started doing actual speed work, et cetera. So that was that was nice. And then in the fall, I started hoping to train for a marathon. I don't remember what marathon I was gonna try to train for, but it was COVID, so everything was getting canceled again. So I think instead we had our August challenge with Corfedge, which was a lot of fun. We a bunch of us ran a 50k for the first time that fall too. And I remember realizing in that moment, the 50k, there's a video Mike has of me and we're on like mile 27 and I'm listening to Fleetwood Mac or something and I'm laughing. I'm just (laughs) loving it. It was such a mind trip to hit 26.2 plus. And I thought I could keep going. And I mean, we weren't, we were going at our easy pace. So we weren't pushing a particular time to just finish. But that was a significant moment for me of just okay, I'm, I've, I can, uh, I've, I've got some unique endurance because there are some more talented runners that are falling off on, on that run. And then fast forward to April, we're still in the April 21. Um, I right before that get COVID. I asked Mike Corfish to coach me, so that's when he started coaching me. So we're coming up on uh, three years now, which has been awesome. And I was hoping to qualify for Boston in that race, was really bummed out. I was doing, leading up to that, a Jack Daniels Q2 program, which for those who haven't done it, it is is a ball buster. It is very probably hard. One of the, yeah, very hard. I think I did two blocks of that or something. Again, 60-ish miles a week max. And that really got me fit and humbled me a lot. But I think it also overtrained me. And then getting COVID uh, hurt a bit. and. So I modified my goal to 308 and at, at Carmel and ran it. And that, that first Carmel was really special because that Carmel was my first marathon where I ran completely in control. Mm-hmm. I just, Cal Brinks and I ran the first, I want to say 16 together. It, it, yeah, first 16 together. Andrew Lowe and John Aldnani were, were just ahead of us. We were thinking of maybe running together, but it didn't work out. And I felt so strong. I, I pushed it again. I think the goal is 308. I ended up running a 306.40. And I contemplated throttling it down, but there's a really good book by Matt Fitzgerald, Running Running a Dream, Running Down a Dream. I know there's a song about title too, but um, he it's where he trains with NAZ Elite. And he's talking about his Chicago run and how he wants to go sub 240. And, and as he's recapping his race, he was reflecting on, because he had the same choice, about 5K to go. 
hey, I'm going to, I can either keep pushing, see how low I can go or celebrate. And so I just decided around 23 of Carmel in that, in that first race where I really felt in control, I said, I'm just going to celebrate. I don't know how many more of these I'm going to get. So I'm just going to soak it all in. And that's what I did. I just was high five and pulling Clayton Young on the course with, with far less spectators and far less excitement, of course. But uh, yeah, that was a good feeling. And then that's when I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to qualify for Boston next. I know it. I have your race report on your Strava pulled up from that Carmel race. And you're, there's a picture of you crossing the finish line, arms directly out, tongue out. You're making the face right now, smiling ear to ear, tongue out, backwards hat. You're mid stride, like both feet in the air over that final uh, sensor, the RFID sensor that gets your yeah. your bid chip, and you just look. You look like you had had another twenty six miles in you. I mean, you look you look good. So yeah, I mean that's what I love about watching the trials this last weekend is with the way Clayton felt. I mean, Dan, you probably felt it in Houston with with your races. That's exactly how I felt. I just yep. This could have been a 50K. Could You could sign up for another marathon. Let's do it. And and it just felt so good. It gave me such confidence. I really recommend people go into a race, go conservative, and know you can just control the marathon. It, it really just changes your mindset with races. But so then so then is the big block. I'm, I'm putting all my chips in on qualifying for Boston at Indy 21. And, I mean, obviously I end up, end up qualifying – and really what got me there was a coach. Mike was coaching me that full block and I, I upped my mileage. I forget what it was specifically, but it was probably closer to sixties. I think I threw a couple 70 weeks in there, same mile weeks in there. I was like getting a massage every other week by Mike Purvis. I think I've seen Kara Nichols who does needling, you know, every other week. I mean, I just was, I, I thought come hell or high water, I'm going to, I'm going to qualify for Boston. And and then I, I mentioned the, you know, the, the fat kid or sit down fatso sort of dynamic I was, I was remembering. And as I was getting closer and closer to that race, I, I was starting to realize how much baggage I was carrying uh, from my childhood about my body image, about, you know, you know, from bullying, from all these things. And there was nothing, you know, recently in my life that was continuing that cycle. It was just a talk track. There's negative thoughts in my head. And I couldn't sleep before Indy at all. I mean, I think it was three hours, maybe two and a half hours, maybe. And I was in the hotel lobby. I just wrote down, what does this race mean to me? And I just, at that moment, I decided that that old image of Cheston is dead. Like that sit down fatso, the the comments the teacher made, like it's gone. Like no matter what this race is, it's going to result is, no matter whether I qualify for boss or not, it's going to be a celebration. And uh, I, I poured out, you know, all the body image issues I was struggling with because that's just what was crazy. I mean, I kind of am alluding to it, but, you know, I was in decent shape in college. It like towards the tail end of college. I still didn't like what I looked like. And I was getting a lot of attention from girls that, at that point, which was new for me. And I didn't like what I looked like. I didn't think I was attractive. And and even, you know, I'm at this point in Indy, I'm in the fittest shape of my life. And I catch myself being negative about my body image and, and who I am. I'm like, well, dude, what are you doing? You've invested so much in this. And beyond that, like we've talked about faith, like none of that even matters in the scheme of who I am. Like I, God says who I am, not my negative thoughts, not some stupid substitute teacher, not, you know, none of it, not even my training or Strava run. Sorry. Uh, and I just... 
I had that mindset going in of like, I'm just going to celebrate and I'm going to lay it all out there about who I am, not who I say I am, who he says I am. And that race was hard from start to finish. I wish I could say it was a fairy tale and it was like mm. Carmel 21, whatever the race we were just talking about. But I mentioned on another podcast from the get go, my legs felt heavy. I felt like something was off. I wasn't myself. I found out later is a, a, a sodium deficiency. That's why I did a lot of studying of, of sodium. I'd salt caked all caked over my face. In the last 10K, no joke, this isn't hyperbole. I ran that race with Maria Galvin and Mike Bernardi, and I was closing my eyes for half the time. I mean, I was running into the sun. I was hurting. I, I thought I was going to hit the wall. It had that same feeling, but I wasn't. And I just said, I don't know if I'm going to hit the wall or not, but I'm going. I'm going. And I remember taking the turn the last you know half mile and I mentioned Brandon Hall earlier and it was so cool because Brandon Hall and I at that point we've been running together for two three years and he was you know my my training partner every long run at that point and I remember uh it's it's one of those looks you you, you don't have to say much like it was 1k to go last mile whatever it was I see him he's with with John Bazell and and his family and we just give a nod because I'm at that point, I'm I'm qualifying for Boston. I just need to hang on. We look at each other, he knows I'm hurting. I just give him a nod and it just I get the chills thinking of it. And I cross the finish line and Aaron Mays, who we love, I talked him off the ledge uh, the day before and convinced him he could go sub three. He was right there. Steven and Dennis Ruckriegel came in right there. A friend, Bo Schoenbachler, was ahead. I find Krista. I just start bawling. I just poured out all my emotions right there. Um, and uh, I mean, it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment uh, that, I'll, that I'll never forget. And, uh, and actually, Eric Wheatley, I forgot. Eric Wheatley had his own recovery story. And he was the first guy I saw because he ran an awesome time that day. I forget what it was. But it was a huge PR. He bowed from injury. We're hugging each other. He's bawling. I'm bawling because he read my story that I wrote the night before uh, or that morning in Indy. And uh, yeah, that moment, I mean, if it wasn't that after I, what I wrote, that moment, that race, like that version of Cheston was gone. The obituary was written. New Cheston was on the scene. And uh, yeah, I qualified for Boston. I have your race report pulled up from that race too. And there's the last part I want to read because it's so epic. It just sums it up perfectly. Here goes. There are bigger moments in life. Weddings, births, baptisms, graduations, promotions at work, etc. But running is one of the few areas where the heart, mind, body, and soul can all come together in one pinnacle moment as you cross that finish line. It's a real gift. That's what the last three years of running in this Saturday, November 6, 2021 was, a gift. And thanks be to God, the giver of all good and perfect things. Final time, 257.52, PR by 8 minutes and 48 seconds. Dang, you're a good rider, Justin. That's crazy, man. man. It is it is a gift. It's just it's it's so cool. I mean, and I I, I get why people put running above all things because of that unique moment. Hmm. And I think I, I mentioned in there that, you know, maybe childbirth is the only other thing like it where that heart, mind, soul, body all kind of reach this pinnacle moment. Um and it's just it's so fun. But I, I go back to and that's what I love about my childhood, like you know, my time in, in band was fun. My time, you know, winning that national championship with that unique team in high school was fun. My family is fun. And it, it all comes from, 
you know, it all comes from something else. So I think at that moment, it, it crystallized like I am, you know, who he says I am, not what my running says, not what all these other things are. And from that moment, on, let me hit another level of running where I was, I wasn't running scared. I was running free and I was running to have fun. And that's when we get into the recent years. Where did, um, where, just to go back a bit, where, where did you get your idea to like write your goals down? Um, like, cause I, I, that's been like a common theme in a lot. Well, I've heard you talk about that before you, you like writing things down in general. Where, where did you first pick that up or how, how did you start doing that? It's a good question. I would say probably sometime in high school, there was a life-changing book for me or life-changing moment for me in that it's just such a silly moment, but I, I'm sure we all have these moments. I picked up a book in middle school. I don't even remember the name of it. It was some leadership book. It was like West Point Leadership or something. I don't know. Because at the point at that moment in time, I wanted to go to military academy and I read it and I thought to myself, this is the first book I've enjoyed reading. Like this is the first book I've chosen to read. I've enjoyed reading. And from then on, I started reading like crazy. And I, I really, you know, held on to like John Wooden with a famous basketball coach and a couple other influences like that. And I think around that time, the reason I bring that up, Chris, is my curiosity just took me down a bunch of rabbit holes of how I changed the trajectory of, of, of my family, you know, to, to be frank, I don't, I don't, I want my family to, to be a family for, you know, the entire, their entire lives. I don't want a broken family. I, I want to change that trajectory. I want to continue the legacy of fitness that my dad and my mom had. My, my dad was Olympic trials, uh, crew uh, athlete. My mom was great in, in high school and in tennis and other sports. And I want to continue that tradition. And so for whatever reason, it just activated in me in, in middle school, high school, and that moment was like, I have a choice. I can make a decision about who I want to be. And and yes, there is a higher power. I've acknowledged that. But I have a lot of agency. And one of the biggest gifts we have is control. And so at that point, I, I realized that writing down goals and, and coming up with an action plan is one of the biggest gifts you can give yourselves. And in, in my case, where I think about them, my family, because um, it, it can set us up for for success. So anyway, that's more than you bargained for, Chris. But is around that time that I started writing down goals. No, that's great. I think um, it's certainly something I need to do at least at the start of every year or something. I never do that at all. So I think that's a route I need to take. Uh, can you can you talk about the obituary while we're on the subject of writing? The obituary to your past self, like that's like again, you're hardcore. That's poetic. It's it's, it's poetic and inspiring and i kind of use that mental model for like a shift in identity for the bayshore run yeah carmel failing to bq and then turning around to bayshore this is bayshore danny now and you all saw the eight weeks of that build up and i think i was like writing in my runs in my strava runs this is bayshore danny and that just seems like it's, uh, I mean, it was a really useful tool for me. Where did you come up with the concept of writing an obituary to your past self? And after this, the old Cheston's dead, the new Cheston's here. 
Yeah, I, I think I would have phrased it differently, like around indie. Like I probably, if you had asked me, I wouldn't have said, hey, I wrote a, an obituary to my past self. <laughs> Maybe I did, if, if you have the race report up. I think there was a song, Scotty, that, that Jamie played for us that, what's the name of the song? I forget, but essentially says, there, there's some line in there that talks about <clears throat> is it majesty yeah, bow, yeah it is majesty bow, bow down you know to the new king essentially is what it implies and this is requiem requiem for the old us in other words it's a it's an obituary or it's it's in memory of the old of the old you and i really like that language but i think too like it's it's wrapped all up in the bible about being a new creation you know dying to yourself etc so that whole that whole concept is i know it's just it's just been part of what i've been reading probably for 10, 15 years. Um, and I guess we kind of went on a couple of tangents, good tangents though, but uh, you were, you wanted to continue on to your uh, more recent uh, marathon. So you can go ahead and, and do that. Good tangents. They were good tangents. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And, and, you know, Danny mentioned you're hardcore. That's why I love you guys so much is I naturally bend hardcore and way too intense for a variety of reasons and like the playfulness that scotty chris and danny have help help balance me out my wife has and, and others in my life have where does uh, so, that come from the hardcore side oh man <laughs> from the beast within yeah i mean the, the elevator spiel is you know i have family members that are pretty intense no matter what their demeanor is i mean my mom and dad are both extremely intense people in their own way my dad air is a little more serious. He was in the military. And my mom though, she she doesn't stop. Her motor keeps going. So that uh yeah, that's just consistent. And then honestly, I you know, when you're eight and again, whether implicit or explicit, you feel like you're the man in the man of the house, you, you just tend to grow up more quickly. So yeah. I think that that definitely not I think. I know that shaped me a ton. And that's why I was considering military academies when I was younger. Anyway, so that's where it comes from. I would attribute my intensity when I am intense, which is not always, to the Hispanic women that have always been in my life. Very intense. Very intense. Yeah, yeah. They, they will make say because of Scotty screams. Wait, say more, Chris. Um. Yes my my mom is Hispanic, intense lady. She was the disciplinarian in our household, and then my dad was more chill, and now I'm married to a Hispanic cop, <laughs> and she, whenever we do decide to have children, she is definitely going to be the, the disciplinarian in our household, <laughs> so just, just shaped by strong Spanish women, you know? Thank, thank you, Officer Padilla, for what you do. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry for I that. I digress. Tangent. Cheston, back to you. Yes, sorry. No, that's, sorry that was a that. good digression for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and then then from there, you know, I was like, okay, I qualified for Boston. I can't wait to run Boston. I knew it was going to be 23 and 22. I'm going to just keep getting faster. It's going to happen. Well, 22, a lot happened. Our third kid was born. I got a new job. I got let go from that job after a layoff found a new job. It was one of the most difficult night or years, excuse me, um, of my life. And so it, uh, 
running was sort of like making my bed every morning. It really served as a constant amidst a lot of changing chaos. And so I, I, that year I ran Erie, I think was the only race I ran. And did oh, you... no, excuse me. I did run Boston. I ran Boston in 22. Yeah, it was yeah. Susan. Yeah, it was Susan. I paced Susan Swint to Boston 22. As an aside, things were still going pretty good in 22 at that point. But um, I knew with the new job, I wasn't going to be able to be, train really intensely. Oh, and then my, my third son was only six weeks old, seven weeks old at that point. So I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to go. I told Krista, you know, every week for the 22, hey, if, if you don't want me to go, I'll, I'll just cancel. But I ran. I ran it to enjoy it, which meant pacing Susan to a big PR for her. I think she had an eight-minute PR that day. We ran a 314. And I highly recommend for anyone running Boston, your first Boston, just enjoy it. Soak it in. It just I know Scotty, you're going for it. That's gonna be fun in its own way, but man, the course is magical, and it's that was just a nervous face <laughs> for the it, listeners. I'm it, giving it, a nervous face cue to Cheston. You, you, and you and Sam will have a blast. Don't worry. Scotty, but uh, do you respect the Boston course, man? <laughs> it's not about me, Cheston. Back to you. What's well, no, this is a good digression. Do you Just, respect Justin the Boston course? Cheston respects Boston. <laughs> No, he's, don't, he's sipping his tea. Um, yeah. we'll talk about this on my episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're gonna anyway, grill you. Anyway, um, I had an awesome moment that summer where I met Scotty for the first time, and we'll, we'll talk about that. And then I was signed up to run Erie. Was hopeful in September of that year to to PR at Erie, but I got a bacterial infection a, a couple weeks before. I was laid off six weeks before that. I mean, just was training was not on the radar at that point. So it was just finish, have fun, had a blast with Christine, Colin and Aaron. We all drove up there together that race. And yeah. And then, and then training partner, Scotty comes onto the scene and we make a decision. I think Danny, you, Scotty, Sam and I are texting about Carmel. That's how this podcast got started. That's right. This is the beginning. So we start texting each other. I forget how, forgot we got locked up, linked up with Sam. I think he joined us for a long run. We exchanged digits that way. We were talking, okay, sub 250 for Carmel. Let's do it. And I, I thought to myself, man, that's a bit rich for my blood, but you know what? Let's go. And long story short about community, you know, I ramped up the mileage. I told Mike, you know, we're going all in on this one. And, and Scotty, you know, who's extremely talented and, was was training with me. I mean, we were running what Scotty four days a week at least with each other. Least, for that block. Yeah. Four or five days a week. Certainly, almost every workout, every long run, we were running together. Unless you're injured or I was traveling for work or something, and that was the first training partner and only training partner I've had to this point. Where I mean, ninety percent of the block, the hard workouts, the long runs, we ran together, and yeah. it was a lot of fun. I mean, it, it just was. was like I mentioned, you know, I'm I generally lean more focused and disciplined. Scotty is more playful and and boisterous, and it's a good combo. And it was a good one-two punch for for Carmel, and uh, ended up, you know, uh, that with with our, I think our training group was starting to to grow to grow at that time too. The Mike's training group at that point, you know, when I started with him, I was I was pony number four or three. 
it was just Ilya, Jalali, John Bazell, and me. Or no, and Craig Coombs. Craig Coombs, too. There are four of us. Combs. I didn't, I didn't know you got it in that early. That's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, three years ago, I was number four. Craig, John, and Ilya joined me, uh, or were there before, excuse me. And so by the time Scotty came on board, and he was 20-something, and then now there's 30-plus. And so we uh, – yeah, that that was – another huge boost for us knowing you have everyone kind of on a similar plan man back to the the training of carmel it i would say at least for me you could probably agree with this as well but the training especially the workouts almost felt like race day endorphins almost every time like there were so many temp i mean i like vividly remember workouts we were doing together that we were hip like hip to hip just the whole time the whole time and we would trade off like all right you got music this time i got music this time and it was i never was worried about tempos and we always hit them so easily um and it's been a lot of circumstances where it hasn't lined up to do that again just injuries and life and all that but that is definitely a block that i will cherish forever because it was like from start to finish of having the same goal, every training run was the same. We ran like five days a week and then race day, we stuck together for, it was over, it was like 20 and a half miles of the race, essentially the entire time. We stayed in the same Airbnb with our families. It was, it was a really special uh, block of that, like three months. Yeah, if, uh, it's awesome. If one of you got married, would the other one be the best man at this point? That's a that's a controversial question. I see oh. Scotty's face. <laughs> I guess Scotty has a. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll think. Of, we'll think about that. We'll think about that. My bro would be my best man, still for sure. Yeah, we'll offline this one. <laughs> yeah, putting you guys on the spot. <laughs> we'll put it on. Let's run. I didn't. I didn't mean to break up the pot or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a final time two forty seven twenty three in a PR of ten plus minutes. Yeah, and, and just to, so it's actionable for people. I mean, the game changer was a training partner, a community around us. Um, you know, Chris is super supportive as a wife. I mean, I try not to have it running interfere too much um, with with the day to day, but obviously some workout days like I'm I'm gassed. And then <clears throat> and then yeah, I think my mileage for that block was seventy ish miles or sixty ish miles a week, and the reason why I was hesitant to run Carmel was because I had Boston eight days later. And so I run 247.23 and I realize, okay, Boston. So I focus on recovery. I agree to be part of a pacing team for Mike who wanted to go, I think, 257.258. And that Boston was legendary. That was just so much fun. And, um, I think the reason I was able to get through it was just the high mileage going into it. I've had a, a solid caramel performance, so I wasn't too gassed. And and then obviously the the crew at, at Boston, the crowd at Boston was was awesome as well. So uh, yeah. And then Houston, we just recapped, uh, but was hoping to go sub two forty four, two forty four ish, and faded. For a variety of reasons, you can listen to the Houston recap episode 252, and then, and yeah, here we are. What keeps you going in this sport? You've had ups and downs. 
on it? What keeps you going? What's your motivation? Scotty, let me cut you in line really quick because I have Houston questions. Send it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Where is your headspace now after the Houston performance? We know it didn't go as like you that. wanted. Yeah, yes. Okay, great minds think alike. What do you, after having a bunch of time to digest it, uh, what are your thoughts now? And where do we go from here? Well, I know where we go from here. That's that. So real quick, actually, hold on. Going to the moon. <laughs> to the moon, baby. The but, moon. but I think this is one thing that, and, and I, I mean, this is straight up from my parents. My dad would have this phrase. We're going to get the E for this episode when I say this phrase, but it's a, it's a Marine phrase. My dad was a Marine. He'd say, don't let the dirty bastards get you down. The Marines would say that. And look, I'm a big fan of feeling sorry for yourself for get counseling. If you need counseling, have the, emo, you know, have the emotions, have your day, like feel it, feel all the feels, do it. And that's what I did for Houston. And look, I gave myself 24 hours. That's, you know, it lingered maybe to 48 and there's still some feelings where I'm, I'm, I'm upset, right? Like I wish, I wish I could run certain paces with certain people like Scotty and Chris right now. I wish I could run your paces. That'd be great, but that's not where I am and that's okay. And it doesn't change my goal. That's what I love about running. Like I will PR again, full stop. I will pursue my fastest self full stop. And that doesn't change where we go from here. So I think what pulls me forward is a North star of like one, I'm not defined by my success, whether it's running, whether it's in my marriage, whether it's work, whatever. And that's like deeper than any, you know, run or race result, right? That's just like what I believe, what God says about me. But then from there, yeah, the goal, everything I have, everything I want to do is still in front of me, right? I'm, I'm young enough where my fastest days are still ahead. I'm early enough in running. My fastest days are still ahead. I've never had a better community around me. I mean, you three are certainly part of that, but the ponies, Corvege, Krista, others, like they're part of it. So I will PR again, full stop. That's what's ahead. I remember giving you a hug after Houston and saying to you, I know how you feel. Yeah. I know exactly how you feel because I had that race at Carmel. When you and Scotty went sub 250, I was going for a 255. I ran a 302 and yet failed to qualify for Boston yet again. So my heart was with you at that finish line. But I also knew when I told you that, that Houston is just ammo in the chamber. It is just another reason for you to absolutely send this next training block. Because every time it gets hard, you'll think about that result. Yep. And you'll use it as motivation. And that's what these opportunities give us. They're a gift. And you're supposed to get knocked down every once in a while. That's what this sport gives you if you're doing it right. Yes. But at the end of the day, if you can control the inputs, the scoreboard will take care of itself. Yes. And now you just have a little bit more motivation to put in the right inputs harder, faster, stronger than last time. Yeah. Let me I highlight something as well with Chess and I love the, I love this mindset and 
so many people can be so successful in their life if they have this mindset that Cheston has. He says, that is not my fastest race. My, my better days are in front of me. And he knows, he's like, I had a bad race. And he knows that is not his fastest race. And he knows he will PR again. And he knows what it takes to get there too. And he's not afraid to do it. It might not be next race. It's probably going to be next race. I would bet a lot of money that it's going to be next race. But if it's not, he's going to give himself 24 to 48 hours to take care of it in his head. Maybe longer. It might, he might need weeks. But then he's going to say, my fastest race is ahead. And he's going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And Krista said it really well. My wife, she texted me. I texted you guys this. She said, maybe... Maybe you weren't supposed to run Houston so you could show people what it's like to run 244 or whatever. Maybe you're supposed to run Houston so you can show people what happens when you don't run 244. And that's what this podcast is all about. And Dan, you said it so well. If you're seeking discomfort, if you're pushing the edge on what's possible, it requires you to fail. Failure is a down payment for success. So yeah, I'm smiling big today because the ammo is full, baby. I'm I'm ready to go. And you know, I mentioned this this year, I want to lose, you know, about 10, 15 pounds. To me, that's harder than marathon training. It really is. I just, to, to restrict calories is so hard for me mentally. And, but that's fueled by the Houston result. That's fueled by where I want to go. So, and I think in running, there's this careful balance between self-discipline and self-compassion. And so, yeah, when Houston happens, you know, Take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. Remembering context where you've come from, but that doesn't that doesn't mean you you take the foot off the, the the gas. Yeah, let me let me give you all a specific example of Cheston's discipline right now. My wife and I had his family over, and we had an awesome dinner. And she made literally the best chocolate chip cookies ever in the world. I'll give you the recipe if anyone needs it. And she made a dozen. And then like plopped the whole tray on at the table right in front of him. And he's like dishing them out to his kids. And I'm like, are you going to have one? Because I knew we had just talked to he was like at his calorie goal. And he was like, no, I'm not. And then I am sitting there and I ate like five cookies in front of him like an idiot, like a horrible friend. (laughs) And, And then like the next day we ran together and I was like, did you have one? He's like, no, I, I physically would not be able to do that. And he's like, dude, this is way harder than marathon training. <laughs> yeah, Cheston's the Cheston's the kind of guy that when he sets a goal, he he follows through with it all the way. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he did that. It is, I wouldn't be able to do it either. But uh, Chris, well, on real quick though, because like, thank you. First of all, thank you. But part of the reason why I did running is because I wasn't the guy to finish. Right. Like I had a buddy once come up to me six or seven years ago. He said, I wish I had the chest and gene. I was like, what does that even mean? Like it was, it was a compliment. <laughs> I appreciate it. He's like, dude. And he said exactly what you said, Chris. And I said, and he has, he has a history of starting things and, and not finishing them. I said, there is nothing special about me. Right. I'm not saying that to, you know, to, to, to beat myself up, but I'm saying you just make a choice. Just take the step, take the action right? Consistency, community, commitment, exactly what Danny outlined. I love those three C's. I guess we're going to just keep repeating them every episode, but like 
I didn't used to be that person. So if you're listening to this, you're still listening and you have trouble finishing, you have trouble hitting your weight goal or whatever, like you can make a choice. Just make the choice again and again and again. Just focus on the next best action and you'll get there. Yeah. Oof. That that would be the cover of the that that might be the cover of the podcast is that what you just said that was excellent i have goosebumps i've excellent. had goosebumps for an hour and six minutes yeah that's going to be the <laughs> second time people hear that because that is definitely going to be the front of this episode love it excellent you you could write your own book called atomic atomic habits by Chester newhall <laughs> D- D- danny would have to write it with me <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a good book i'd read it yeah i'd read it I haven't read a so book your next step, your next race, you're going Chicago, correct? And not correct. Um, I'm gonna. Oh, right. I know this. I'm going to. I don't know the official race yet. I'm still debating, but I'm gonna get into. I'm gonna find something in September or by September, I should say, so I can make sure I, I solidify my qualifying time to go to Boston in in 25. So for those who don't know, I my time of 2:52, whatever. 43, I guess it'd be, it's about a six six seventeen buffer for Boston. And I don't think that'll be enough for me to run the race. It's just getting faster. It's just getting faster. So it's crazy. I'm going to, I'm going to find a race. I'm going back and forth between last chance, um, Grand Rapids, last chance, Geneva, Illinois, and, La- and um, an Erie marathon are the three I'm debating. And may, maybe, maybe Air Force, depending on the, the dates. But Ooh. anyway, I'm going to do something in the fall to make, to, to stamp my uh, book for for Boston twenty five and PR. Oh, all right. Let's Scott, freaking go, um, Scotty. You, you got some. You got some good rapid fires for our boy Cheston. Uh, give Danny ask Cheston a great question or two, and uh, and then I got it. Cheston, I'll give you a lot of credit because trying to lose weight and stick to a diet while also running. What are you running now? 70 miles a week? 60, but hopefully 60. 70 soon. Still. Yeah. 60. Like, how do you feel every run? Are you just depleted? Because when I've tried yeah. to do that, I need some more energy and it's hard. So, yeah, I, I have had to think about it, especially on long runs. So what I've been doing is I make sure I make sure that I carry a bottle with me for water um, because at least I'm I'm covering covering that basis I've mentioned before I sweat a fair amount and then I might eat a banana or something before the run I normally don't unless it's a workout or a long run I normally don't eat before my runs so I think having like a couple hundred calories right before helps but but yeah I definitely have to account for it and because at the end of long runs, if I'm not careful, you know, I could be in a bad spot, but so far it's, it's been pretty good. And my, my weight is I'm averaging, I think about a pound and a quarter per week right now. It's kind of, it's a little hard to tell, but I'm below Gosh. 180 for the first time uh, this year. And I was at 183 and change when I first started. So that's awesome. So do you like to have a little bit of a heavier meal the day before your long run and stretch the calorie goal a little bit or are you just sticking to it i probably should do that i have been just loading up on saturday and i i don't like it for a variety of reasons because then i'm pretty bloated you know on saturday right 
and honestly, to your point, I could use them for for uh, for Saturday's long run. So right now, it's been uh, I'll make sure I have a hefty, you know, probably 400 calories before my long run on Saturday, and then eat the rest throughout the day. But I'd rather split it out. So I'll probably do like probably do a heavier lunch and dinner, and and just split up the extra calories those days. I was gonna ask too because we just recapped the Olympic trials and watched it. Um, and you know, we, we refer to ourselves as the OTQ boys. What, what are your thoughts on making the trials ever? Cause I know we've talked about that being our North star. Um, how, how do you feel about that now? Yeah. And I'll be curious to get people's reaction to how I'm going to phrase this. Okay. So it is a North star and however, and I would do this in sales. I want to get better at sales and a proxy for getting better at sales is you sell more, you make more money. So I'd use my salary or my commissions or whatever as a proxy for me refining my craft. I view the same I view it the same way with running generally, right? It, it can't be hard, fast rule. But if I'm chasing my fastest self, a standard for me to go after is OTQ. So 218, you know, with this last cycle and probably 217 the next cycle. And so <clears throat> I think it's possible. I think Carmel gave me the confidence it's possible when I ran 247 because, you know, as I look at BMI, you know, I could, according to doctors, I could get as low as 140 um, in my weight and and be at a healthy weight range. And on race day, I was 182 for that race. And so if you use the pound per minute model and you lose 30 pounds, I could be low 150 and be in OTQ shape, supposedly, right? There's a lot of janky math there. I recognize that. But I think when I realized that, oh, wow, if I shed 20 pounds, I had a few more cycles in me and push the limit, it's possible. I think though, I really like the way Danny phrased it. While that's a North Star and a multi-year goal, and and really I, the goal I wrote down was to do it before I'm 40. So by 2032 cycle is is really the cycle would be my, my full goal. But I, I am going to push for 28. We'll see how it goes. But I focus on one rung at a time. So I focus on the next goal, the next goal, the next goal, and get there. The only things that would prevent me from that goal were if it starts getting in the way of family or career. Those yeah, things yeah. get in the way. So, Yeah, and that's a big one. Uh, that's certainly if you're training for something like that, it's, you got to find the time and uh, energy. And it, it, it's a lot more sacrifice than you know training for maybe your first sub three. You know, you're probably in terms of mileage and maybe rehab strength, all that kind of stuff, a lot more um, fine tuning to do to, I guess, run that 520 or whatever it is uh, per mile for that kind of race. So it makes yeah. sense. Um, I see Scotty laughing a bit. I wonder if his questions are pretty good. What do you got? Now? Scotty, you're on mute. Hey, hey. Um, they're going to be great. <laughs> Oh gosh, I'm ready. And All then right. uh, DP, you're gonna close us out. I got DP? you. All right. All right, DP. All right, Perkins I got my own the timer. second. Justin, are you ready? Born ready. Yes. You got one minute. All right, let's do it. All right. What's your favorite shoe? Uh, goodness, Nova Blasts. What's your mom's middle name? Lynn. Laugh or cry? Laugh. Element E or Element E? Element. Element. <laughs> 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 Shower or bath? Bath, baby. 
Epsom solo salt. run or friend run? Depends on the day. What's your job title? Director of product strategy. How many group chats are you in with Scotty? Way too many. At least eight. Who is your hero? Jesus. Nice. What's your fastest 5K? Uh, sub 18 something. I don't know. 1740. What marathon time will you run in 2025? 25? 234. Yes. What is your favorite body part? <laughs> what? <laughs> On me or? <laughs> what? What is your favorite body part? Unhinged uh, question. Oh, boy. Uh, the face. <laughs> what kind of question was that what's your favorite music genre goodness uh i, I don't know jazz why do you Ooh. run i run because it's a proxy for character oh profound that's it that was good say was more good. Justin. You can say well, more. real quick on the on the song one. I I I panicked there. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know what my favorite genre is. There's just so many. It really depends on the day. For proxy for character, I, and again, I said some of these things throughout the episode. I used to hate running. Running used to be a chore for me. It used to be a source of embarrassment, shame, etc. So each time I used to lace up my shoes, it was me conquering my fear. Now it's a reminder of an obituary to my old self that I can do hard things. I can do things I don't like. And then also running is one of those things now where it's a daily discipline where no matter what's going on outside, it takes a lot for me not to run in a day. There's a couple other habits in my life like that, but I think running is unique in that it exerts myself physically, mentally, emotionally some days. Um, And so, yeah, I think the day in day out grind that consistency, that going to the well in some workouts and races is a proxy for character. So if you're, if you're a tough person, if you're disciplined, all those things, those are people, those, that's where I'm trying to help myself become. And so I think running is, it has been a helpful medium for doing that. Good stuff. And so I think less, one more thing, I think one le- less important than the time. So I'm not saying to be clear, like if you run a certain time, you have high character. No, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't mean that at all. I think, though, if you see someone's running journey and they're invested, I think it says a lot about them. And so for me, I won't be the super talented person in certain regards to running, but it will be the person that keeps growing, keeps pushing the limits, runs without fear. That's the person I want to be. And so running allows me to to flex a, the, those parts of my character I'm working on. Awesome, man. That was uh, just excellent. I, I didn't know a ton of that story. Like Actually, really, me either. Really, like the whole first half, I, I really didn't know. Um, and so that that was very enjoyable for me. I think the Thanks, listeners boys. will I, get a lot out of that. <laughs> I know we went way over, so I really appreciate the the patience, guys. It's hard, it's hard not to with these personal stories, so I know. it's no problem at all. I could go another hour, but I know we all have bedtimes that are calling. So I'll close this out. What do you say? Let's do it. What you got, Daniel Perkins the fourth? <laughs> you're skipping two generations but that's okay i'm just thinking ahead for you man just thinking ahead for me appreciate it um this was awesome thank you for sharing your story and chris scotty thank you all for moderating we love doing this podcast 
and we are trying to grow. We love it. So we have started a couple different channels that we want to let our listeners know about. Yeah. One is of the written word. It is Life in Stride, the newsletter. And it has already dropped. But don't don't worry if you missed it in your inbox. You can sign up in the link in the podcast description. I have a form that you put your name and email in. And you'll get an email once a week on what's top of mind for us. It is a one thought, one image, and one link about what we're thinking about in the running world. And sometimes the image is from a running article. Sometimes it's going to be from our camera roll. It could be anything. But you don't want to miss it. It is not going to be... A favorite body part. Don't worry. <laughs> no body parts. <laughs> uh, no body parts Verdict in the newsletter. Justin answered that accurately. Unless you want to see Justin's face. So do us a favor. Check us out on YouTube. That link's also in the description. Check us out on the newsletter. And please submit a question and leave a review for us. We love doing this. We love you guys. And we're here to share our experiences together as runners and as family, as brothers in our pursuit of achieving our best selves. And we want to share that with you. So thank you all for listening. We love you guys. Peace out. Peace. Peace.